Welcome back to Creative Blessings with Father Nico Becris and Chris Katsakis. Uh, we are approaching into Pentecost, and we are now technically on episode 8, um, which has taken a bit of a hiatus from the last episode 7. We uh, attempted with our host, Orthodox Christian Network, or OCN, uh, to do a homage piece to Stanley. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties and we, we couldn't able, we weren't able to save that uh, recording. But we're back today, Father Nico and I, and we hope to uh, record more and be hosted by OCN and and, uh, and or Cosmos Philly and whoever else wants to spread our podcast around. We'd be very uh, excited for that opportunity. So welcome back, Father. Christos Anesti. Alithos Anesti, Chris. It's great thank to be you. back. Thank you. Thank you. So today our topic we thought would be, since it was um, probably the biggest breaking box office movie ever, um, and we are big Avengers fans, both Father and I, Avengers Endgame. So Father saw it recently. I saw it opening weekend. Uh, Father was very busy with Holy Week and finally got to see it past our Easter holiday, and uh, we both uh, agreed that it was a phenomenal movie. And um, well, let's get Father's feedback on some of his favorite parts. <laughs> Without mean, any major spoiler, <laughs> yeah. Well, not any major spoiler. Right, we're still right. going to be, even though we're, I think, what, geez, over a month out since the movie came out. Uh, almost, yeah, in almost a month. Um, you know, we'll still be kind as to not. Um, squash any uh like game of Thrones fans all over facebook <laughs> uh <laughs> any uh any important uh information that might ruin your experience at the theater if you still haven't seen it so go ahead father you take over first yeah no chris i mean uh, yeah honestly i mean we could we could spend about 10 podcast episodes just talking about seriously every little detail and everything that was there I loved the movie. I thought it was so great. I did a piece on my blog about the experience of uh, waiting yes. for Holy Week to, um, you know, for us to celebrate Pascha before I went and saw it, um, which, which actually, you know, was was it was a beautiful kind of experience. It kind of put things into perspective very much for me uh, about how much I, I I love and appreciate our church's Easter, um, despite the fact that you know here this this biggest most one of the most anticipated movies of all time. Um, it's not a stretch to say that um, was coming out, and uh, you know it was our Good Friday. It was it was the Friday after Western Easter, but you know we we still my wife and I waited until the following week so we could go see it. Um, you know after Pascha, which was actually a really nice experience that um, that I will always remember. But in terms of finally when we saw the movie itself, um, I I just I mean just in terms of the 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 MCU as a whole the Marvel Cinematic Universe I think they've just done such a phenomenal job with these movies I think that um, every single character has gotten you know his or her due they've they've had wonderful standalone movies they've been killing it when they team them all up into these combined you know mega movies and um, each of them stands really well on their own too and also fits into a larger narrative really well and I thought that was totally indicative of Endgame. I mean, it was a wonderful love letter to the whole franchise. Um, it stood on its own as a movie. It was great fan service, great moments. Um, loved the time travel, even though it made no sense. Who cares? You know, um, just just great to 
22 movies worth and 11 years worth of story built into this, you know, just beautiful mess um, in a good way. I mean, it, it, it was coherent and everything. So um, without making it sound like it was a bad movie by any means, um, it, it was it was just great. I was thrilled. My wife loved it. Um, we both had a great time at the movie theater. Um, yeah, I mean, what what do you even dig into first? I mean, that that's just kind of my overall piece. I mean, I, I thumbs way up for me. Um, yeah, Absolutely. what did you do? How, have we talked too much about the details? Um, Not too you know, much. What, what like you we didn't, we didn't yeah. want to spoil for anybody if, uh, or each other because I had seen it Pasca uh, night after Anastasi mm-hmm. and Good Friday. So we went to all the service. I was like, I felt still a little guilty going on. The <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Dean was chomping at the bit, and you know, so we went. And um, what amazed me is he usually he, he's seven, almost eight. Usually by two hours he's had it, but he was glued to the screen almost all three hours. So um, that told me that you know he he was really into it. Um, and then he what really and I enjoy now with him is he's reading comics now and he's watching TV shows and some of the cartoons for both Marvel and DC. And he'll relate because that that was Ant Man so and so from from this you know so he's. He's relating back character characteristics from other movies, or remember in in Black Panther when they did that. So he's he, he's kind of um, you know extrapolating information from one movie to the next, which is kind of neat to see. And you know, which a year or two ago he wouldn't have done that. Um, you're teaching, you're teaching yeah, him right, man. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, <laughs> yes, he's well on his way to geekdom. Um, and I feel he, it. It could have gone for me. It could have gone another three hours. <laughs> yeah, and he just loves Spider Man from a baby. But he, you know, he loves Tom Holland, and he loves the Iron Spider and the whole, you know, Tony Stark take on his mentorship and all that. So, uh, you know, he's he loves the Tom Holland movies. He loves the original Tobey Maguire's too. Uh, but in a, you know. Uh, who doesn't? I mean, that, that's that got a special place in my heart, too. I mean, that, one of the mm-hmm. movies that started, you know, really the Marvel mania, you know, out, you know sure. before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, um, but, you know, I, I really enjoyed, um, you know, the, the, the character development and the sense of loss that they were, you know, uh, conveying through each person. Uh, the notion of... Um, the world is on Tony Stark's weight of his shoulders. You know, he's always worried that, you know, he can't protect the world the way he wants. Um, you had pretty much every, every character they introduced brought in, in a, a convincing way. Um, and then at the very end, you know, I, I think they did a nice job of leaving little, um, aspects that, could open doors to different possibilities. So it wasn't really wrapped up. It wasn't, it was open-ended in some areas. Um, it had enough action and I think it had enough dramatic moments to make it pretty balanced for my taste. It wasn't all action. It wasn't all, and I think their CGI effects are done tastefully again. Uh, that's my biggest problem with DC is they get a little heavy handed with the CGI and, Things tend to look fake, um, so you know I, I I really appreciated the artistry of this film and the amount of work that went into into it. 
I appreciate from an artist's point of view. And, you know, I see, you know, just, even though there was no end credit after I stayed to watch, I usually stay to watch the credits, not just, but I just want to see how many people. And, you know, it's always a thing from when I was young. My mom would always look for the Greek name in the credits. I always do that now, too. <laughs> I think that's a Greek thing. It's like, how many... My Greeks? dad does that, too, for sure. It must be something genetic, you know, sent, you know <laughs> sent down from Alexander the Great. Like, when you out there and see how many Greek names are... <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, so. was, was Iron Man your favorite guy, then? Yeah, I think they did really well with Tony. Uh I mean, I always like Robert Downey Jr. and anything he's done for the years. I always said, from a young actor, this guy is going to be a you know big name one day, whether it be a superhero movie or whatever. Um, but that really propelled him to a household name. People knew of him from his other movies, but I just think he's a great actor. I always did. Um, he uh, that whole storyline with him, I really enjoyed. Um, the back, you know, kind of the story with um, Hawkeye and his path where he went after things happened. Of course, I, I thought it was tastefully done with, you know, not to reveal any spoilers, what they did with Captain America. Uh, that was very interesting to me. And it kind of, you know, sets up the next step for whatever, you know, whatever Marvel wants to do with the Captain America franchise. Um, I think the final battle scene was well done it was readable it was understandable it wasn't just a mishmash of characters going all over the place uh and it was slow enough that you know you could pick out the characters say oh there's that and there's that and here's so and so you know and i like enjoyed i have to see it again though it's been a month so some things i don't quite remember because you're just so glued as to you know what what was happening now, i understand Captain Marvel came out a month before and people were trying to rush out to see that. So, and there were some complaints that she wasn't in it enough. And I think for what the purpose of the story was, it made sense why she wasn't in it. Uh, I think they have bigger plans for her. So, but she's a very powerful character. And I think, you know, although the complaints she wasn't in it enough, I thought it made sense why they did what they did. So, um, yeah, and I actually, it, it totally made sense because it was, even though it was a culmination of all the movies, it was still the fourth Avengers movie, and she hadn't been in an Avengers movie yet, so to have her kind of take center stage in this one would have been a little bit forced, I felt, you know, a little too much. I thought she was in it, I thought she could have been a little bit more, but I thought it was it was a, it was a decent amount, and, um, and Captain Marvel's movie I thought was really good, too. Um, I definitely enjoyed that one. Great, great, yeah. I yeah. thought... Uh... I thought Captain Marvel um, was very well done. I mean, I don't know like all the backlash that it got. I I, I enjoyed it. I I thought it was it had humor, it had a great soundtrack, a lot of you know they do a lot of research for that time period. So I, I think mm -hmm. you know I enjoyed it. Um, I don't think there's really one of the movies. I think the one I really haven't seen all the way through. I always always catching bits and pieces because I didn't, didn't see it in the theater was the second Thor Dark World but uh, mm -hmm. other than that you know I'm pretty up to speed on all of them and uh, I think they tied it all together quite well yeah I gotta say um, 
I think out of um, well, we could we could easily make this a whole discussion about the entire Marvel universe, and maybe we should do an episode on just that one day. Maybe we can rank, or we can do a top ten or something, mm-hmm. or something like that. Because I, I again, I could talk about this for hours, but suffice it to say, I think like I said in the beginning, they've all been really consistent. There's been some that are some that have definitely been better than others, but all in all, I think all of the movies have been. The majority of the movies have been very strong. Right. I think in Endgame, <clears throat> I think in Endgame it was. Um, I'm just. Uh, I think I'm just a sucker for the heroes that tend to be just kind of nice guys or, or you know people um, in general, right. who don't have that cynical streak too much or whatever. And there's a place for that, but um, you know, I I always like the kind of positive, um, you know, more happy, uh, kind of bright heroes, you know? So, uh, I think Captain America is one of my favorite, you know, in terms of all the series of movies. I mean, I think he had the strongest solo movies. Um, and I think that, I think that his ending in Endgame might've been my favorite thing about the entire movie. Again, no spoilers, but I loved the way they wrapped up, uh, certain plot threads for, um, Thanos and for the infinity war, you know, concept of the stones and everything. And I love how they wrap things up with Captain America and set things up for Captain America's world after this movie. I think it was by far, um, you know, the best one. But uh, I, I totally agree with you, though. I mean, with the fight at the end and all the characters and um, everybody there, I think that everybody got a nice um, moment in the sun. The last fight scene was cool. Um, just, yeah, it was just a crowd pleaser. I mean, just just such great fan service after 22 movies, you know. Um, just a lot of great moments, a lot of great action. I mean, you know, there's so much that we could say. It's almost, uh, you know, 20 minutes, even an hour, even two hours is just not enough to talk about. I thought the, the directors did a great job. I mean, you know, a, a lot of people are rightfully praising the Russo brothers. I mean, I thought Joss Whedon did a great, great job setting up the Avengers as a concept and as a blended kind of movie, you know, for those first two movies, Avengers and Age of Ultron. Um, when he stepped back from, you know, any future movies, they gave it the job to the Russo brothers who had been making the Captain America movies. And at first I wasn't really sure how they could do, you know, cosmic and, you know, time travel and that kind of stuff because their movies, the previous movies that they had done had been very grounded and more kind of day to day type stuff. Um, but they knocked it out of the park, I think. You know, I think they deserve a lot of praise. And I think everybody, I think Kevin Feige and the, the whole studio deserves praise for creating not just a franchise that was so big, but finishing it with movies that not only had high expectations already, but exceeded those expectations, which is so, so rare in, in, uh, in, in movies nowadays. I mean, you know, how many Star Wars movies have we let, been let down by or didn't quite meet the hype? Um there's been, you know, Bond movies like that. I mean, I can't speak about like Harry Potter or things like this, but, you know, The Hobbit, I didn't think lived up quite to the hype of Lord of the Rings. Right. Um, these movies, these movies, not the case at all. I mean, they, there was lots, there was very lofty expectations. They met those expectations and in my opinion, exceeded them. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, you have your very hardcore fan person that will, find something wrong with it but you know i try not to go that route <laughs> yeah i tend well, to do, always, I tend to do that with bdc for some reason 
Well, that's because DC hasn't really shown us much that they that they understand the concept or get the characters, and you know, and and we're also spoiled because we're living in a world now that not only are superhero co- movies are so commonplace, but the but the Marvel Cinematic Universe has really set the gold standard, yeah. you know. So so now I think I, everybody's expectations are much higher, and uh, I, I'm 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 totally in, you know. I've I, I'm sold on this these movies, and I think they're doing all the right things. I can't wait a couple years from now to see them you know, tackle the X-Men and the Fantastic Four and fold them in, hopefully, to the Marvel Universe. Um, you know, now that they have the rights to all the Fox properties. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with kind of, you know, raising your standards, too. So, you know, enjoy it, is what I say. Yeah. Well, I did. I do have to give a shout-out for Shazam. I really enjoyed that. We actually saw that twice. And I think they're, you know, uh, they finally had a light-hearted DC movie, uh, which I think they totally needed. But Back to Marvel Universe. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with, uh, you know, the prequel, from my understanding, Black Widow, um, and see what what that is all about. Um, We have just recently heard that Beta Ray Bill, created Mm -hmm. by um, the great Walter Simonson, who I had the pleasure of having dinner with after Camden Comic-Con out here in South Jersey with him and his wife Louise, were uh, special guests of the con, and uh, one of my friends, Rich Green, happened to be friends with them, and they we all went to dinner, and that was a very interesting experience. It's kind of like a fanboy moment, um, and uh, he's right across from me, you know, talking, and his wife, so that was neat. But he created the character Beta Ray Bill, and he has been confirmed to be appearing in Guardians of the Galaxy three, which I think is interesting, which can open. Uh, some other avenues. In fact, without giving anything away, Thor hints to some a title within uh, the end of Endgame that I think might be, you know, um, ventured into as a movie. But we'll see. But I'm I'm looking forward to the Eternals. I'm looking forward to some other ideas. I also just heard that they might be doing another Incredible Hulk movie. So. We will see. Really? Yeah. I didn't hear that. Well, I, I don't think they've ever, I don't think they've ever been happy stuff. with you know the standalone Hulks. You know, I know I, the first Hulk with um, Eric Banner Eric was Banner. just was a mess. I mean, I thought the Hulk was neat. I thought the effects, but the story was so esoteric and depressing. Um, the one with Edward Norton was a little better, but I still didn't think you know went. And that's why I was I thought. Well, you got Ruffalo. Why don't you throw a Hulk movie in there? But I guess they really didn't need to. Um, but and there's also talk of She-Hulk. There's talk of the a female Avengers movie. Um, I would love a West Coast Avengers if they did something like that. That was oh yeah. You know why not? You know expand the, like the comic books uh, from mm-hmm. from uh, uh, sitting with Louise. I you know I. I used to love a comic called Power Pack when I was a kid. It's about these brothers and sisters that gained superpowers from an alien source. And Franklin Richards became part of it, and Reed Richards, Sue Richards' son. And uh, that might become a movie or a TV show in the works. And I know they did a pilot back in the 90s that did not do well at all. But uh, it should be interesting. You know, a lot of these comic book creators, um, you know, they, they look at it in awe as well, um, and what they can do on the big screen. You know, the, oh, yeah. Walt and Louise had a cameo in the first movie, 
and uh, Walt. The first first Thor. First Thor, Thor yeah. yeah, sorry. Um, and it was basically, I think Walt was sitting at the banquet table as one of the gods, and uh, Louise said, you could just barely see my eyes walking past, you know, like this area where there's people. So, you know, they get invited to do certain things, and that's kind of neat. But I'm sure it's pretty pretty amazing to see one of your characters that you created uh, on the big screen. You know, not that Walt created Thor, but his his run of Thor is still, to me, is the most iconic of my time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it was a it's, great... It's still... It's extremely well regarded, and and he, it often looked at as the definitive uh, Thor. And they've already borrowed a lot from his run too. Like the second, the second movie's villain was also, I think, created by Simonson. So that is that is so awesome that you had dinner with them. By the way, I, I didn't mention that earlier. However, however, yeah. fanboy freaking out you were, I would have been ten times worse. <laughs> it was it was esoteric. It was uh, surreal. It was uh, for sure. It was weird. And uh, there's my wife talking to Louise like old friends, you know, talking about writing and things. And I'm like, this is bizarre. And my little boy's asking <laughs> questions about the comic characters. But, uh, wow. yeah, that was great. And, um, you know, uh, Walt was talking about his early days in comics and how he has never sold any of his original artwork. Um, he has really? It all, yeah, he has it all stored away. Um, he actually... Um, does all his sketches that people line up for in line for free. He doesn't charge people for those. Whereas other comic. No way. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, so they could wait up to two to three hours. He does all head sketches. Yeah. Very nice couple. And then, you know, we get a group picture and Walt put his hand on my shoulder and I'm like, I'm not washing this shoulder anymore. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's weird to have the comic cons and the pop culture mainstream have allowed you access yeah it allows you access to some of these people on a a normal level you know uh well for me you know you know some some people still don't you know like i mentioned neil adams to someone at a showcase it was at our artisticon showcase which we by the way had in uh, march and went very well um and they never heard of neil adams and they're a comic artist and i was just blown away by that but you know generationally speaking i can understand it didn't impact you know, Neil wouldn't have impacted them like he would have impacted me or other artists from 30, 40 years ago. So they all have their influences and such. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think of the, uh, the message in Endgame was, was pretty good overall. Uh, several messages, I think. And I think that's where you would lead into, you know, what you were saying to me earlier about how the end, you know, how this relates, um, you know, more on a a spiritual level. Sure. Yeah, no, I think, um, what I took away from this movie was something that I enjoy very much about all superhero stories and superhero movies and, and heroic, um, stories of every kind, right? Whether it's, uh, you know, from the ancient world or from today, um, so in Endgame, you know, again, no spoilers, even though it's been out a month and you've probably seen it if you're listening to this podcast, but nevertheless, um, so two Avengers die in Endgame, um, two Avengers that are popular, that everyone knows and loves, um, and, and both have extremely poignant and very, uh, emotional death scenes that have a lot of weight for the story, 
um, and in both cases contribute very much to saving the day and saving many lives. I mean, two people very deliberately and very consciously, um, you know, sacrifice themselves um, for, you know, the greater good. Now, this is nothing new in other movies, of course. There's lots of, you know, heroic stories with a character who makes a big sacrifice or whether it be for their children or for them, for the world or for, you know, their city or whatever it is. Um, in this case, the stakes were very high. It was for all, you know, reality, the universe. So um, just to see that kind of heroism, um, even in a fictional setting, in a, in a superhero movie, is so, I think, inspiring to me. Um, I always enjoyed when I see any kind of story about a person putting others before themselves. Um, and that leads right into, you know, as Christians, I mean, we affirm Jesus's words about greater love hath no man, to use the King James translation, um, than he who lays down his life for a friend, right? Mm -hmm. He was saying this to his disciples before he himself went over, went to, went on to lay down his life, um, at the crucifixion and then eventually, of course, his resurrection. But, Talking about greater love um, is always something, um, you know, love that's not about just you, um, not about just for one. We are inclined, I think, to think about ourselves more often, right? I mean, we have that temptation as human beings. You know, it, it's always good to be reminded that, hey, you know, there's something, there's, there's people to our right and to our left that are our neighbors that we should care about as well. Um, and when we kind of take a step back and don't think of ourselves as much, I think that is a very, very inspiring, very Christian message. Again, even though it's just in a, in a story like Avengers Endgame, it's very, you know, it's a very just kind of generic, um, story about heroism, you know, the concept, but that, but that personally is something that inspires me very much, you know, as a Christian, um, you know, long before I even got ordained, um, I always enjoyed stories like that. And I think to some degree, that's what, that's what's made me gravitate to superhero superheroes so much is, yeah, there's fantastical elements and all this fun, you know, sci-fi concepts. But at the end of the day, it is about heroes. And that's what um, I think also Marvel has gotten very right with their stories. It's not it's not just, you know, dreary and gloomy stuff and about how much life just sucks or whatever, yeah. um, like some of the DC movies have been. Um, they're always, you know, about hope and, you know, inspiration and that kind of thing. So I think they get the hero part um, very right in their movies. And, and I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, I agree. Um, it just, there's always a, uh, I think that's, I think what appeals to a broad audience too. There's a certain um, mindset that, that they, people that um, I think go towards the contentious, the brooding type characters in DC I think they're all cool, too. But I think you know sometimes when you you want to heroize, or if that's the term, <laughs> heroify <laughs> uh, somebody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I think Marvel gets it down. They really um, they tend to uh, they do they do a very good thing of uplifting or giving you excited in your seat. I guess you're, I guess I would say um, mm -hmm. I don't really. Other than Shazam, recently, I think DC movies. I kind of just sit there going, "When is this going to be over?" <laughs> I hate to say it, but that's how I feel. It's like it's long, drawn out. It's like do I don't feel for the characters the way I do in the Marvel universe. You actually feel for them, and that that's something hard to do sometimes. Transition into movies, you know. 
making you feel for the character, making you feel for a villain, for like Thanos. You still feel for this guy, even though he's the villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's yeah. the way I felt at all with General Zod or any of those other characters, um, you know, that were appearing in the later DC movies. You know? Sure. Yeah. Now that's not to say it has not happened with Warner. I think the the Nolan Batman's I definitely felt, you know, those feelings. I just think they're off path a little bit. Um, you know, there's definitely room for improvement over at Warner. And see what they do. Mm-hmm. For sure. What did you think of the heroism aspect in this movie? Oh, very much so. You know, it was that, you know, this was the end game. This was the all be all. And people had to put their lives on the line and that they did. And it showed their true heroism, you know. Um, what's that term? I think, you know, with the, the whole theme is, uh, he actually borrowed from Star Trek the the needs of the many outweigh the needs. Oh, of the one. yeah, <laughs> the needs of the few. Or the yeah, one. right. That's right. kind of the concept I think what's going on here, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I think they nailed it. So, yeah, I'm I think it's fundamental. I think it's fundamental to all superhero stories in general. Is like there's it's everybody else. It's not about me. It's everybody else first. Um, which is, you know, something that I, again, we can carry into our own lives in many different ways. I think I love it. Yeah. Well, you and I are very much similar tastes. So it'd be interesting to get someone on here that said they hated Endgame <laughs> and the reasons why. That would be fun. Yeah. The sparks would fly. Yes. Well, why do you say that? <laughs> exactly. But, um, well, I think, uh, are we doing our little trivia bit this time? We're, we're about a half hour it. in. Okay, Let's so go for it. we're going into our um, regular trivia session. And uh, Father and I, uh, basically, if you haven't listened before, we um, throw a couple questions towards each other on a particular topic. And this time around, we thought it's the 80th anniversary of Batman. Uh, so why not? switch gears from the Marvel Universe a little bit, and we'll do a little celebration on the character of Batman, 80 years old. I can't believe it's 80 years old. And Unreal, uh, huh? Yeah. And we are going to do some trivia questions uh, towards one another, and um, I'll let Father go first. Okay. Um, so despite how much we've bashed the DC movies uh, on this podcast... <laughs> Um, I actually love Marvel and DC, I think, equally. And I love I love Superman and Batman. It's been so cool to see both the 80th anniversaries. Um, so uh, Superman uh, turned 80 last year, and Batman turns 80 this year. They were started in 1938, 1939, respectively. And both of their books that they premiered in Action Comics and Detective Comics both hit in those same years. It was, it was timed by DC. Um, they hit the, the 1,000th issue. Which was really cool. So, because no other no other characters in comic books have gotten that that to that uh, level. So yeah, we figured it might be um, a good time to do that since it's 2019, the 80th anniversary of Batman. So, um, sorry, sorry, I'm a little redundant there, but because uh, Chris already set it up, but I did prepare a couple questions, and here's my first one. So, in the 1989 Batman movie, which came out for Batman's 50th anniversary, which is also crazy to think about, um, Tim Burton. 
uh, his Gotham City in that movie was filmed completely with models. And he had a very famous architect. I believe his name was Anton First, who actually helped create this kind of world for Batman. And it was all, um, it was all, you know, miniaturized and faked, whether it was the camera from the top looking on or looking onto the streets or whatever, it was kind of superimposed, but it was all models. The Christopher Nolan Batman movies were filmed in real life cities, of course, because Nolan wanted to make, um, uh, you know, he wanted to ground his movies very much. Which real life city was Batman Begins filmed in? I believe it was Chicago. Very good. It was, was Chicago. It was indeed. Chicago, yeah. Okay. So the first two movies, the first two movies, Gotham City was Chicago. The third movie was Pittsburgh. Was it? And as crazy as it sounds, it was Pittsburgh. Yeah, I and I honestly that. thought Pittsburgh worked better because Chicago is so famous. I mean, there was the monorail there. There was the river there. It looked like Batman was in Chicago, but maybe because I've been there, so I don't know. Well, there are, there was always <laughs> the notion, like my friends and I used to say, because late as, as comics got later on in the years, then they introduced New York into the DC universe and things like that. And that like with Watchmen, mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, but, uh, Metropolis was always the New York and Gotham was really more Philadelphia. So, hmm. it, but they're always mentioned in the comics as well. So you have all these extra cities, you know, like central city, I think was like, um, Detroit, you know, th that area. So with, with Jeff, with Jeff Johns, it was definitely Detroit. Yeah. yeah or yeah. Keystone city or whatever. Yeah. So it's interesting how they, you know, mm -hmm. s some people interpret. Yeah, Chicago. I remember that because I was like, yeah, this is uh, this is Chicago. They're filming. <laughs> so yeah, I did exactly. not know. I, you know, I never took notice of it was Pittsburgh in the third one. Wow. Yeah, Pittsburgh was the third one. In fact, even in one of the scenes where Bane is taking over the football stadium, yeah, some of the actual, I mean, the, the generic Gotham quote unquote football team is in is in black and gold. Yeah. And one of the one of the players in the stadium was Heinz Ward, famous receiver for the Steelers. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, it's funny because Chicago is so big compared to Pittsburgh. I've been to Pittsburgh. Mm. I've never been to Chicago. And, you mm. know, it's a small city. It's not a huge city. So, mm. but you still got that grandeur, I guess, that I didn't realize they somehow captured that. Yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. okay. Got one for me? Yes. Um, what Batman villain formerly worked as a zoologist. Oh, interesting. I can give you choices if you want, or if you knew it. I don't know if you knew it, if you were that good. <laughs> well, there's a lot of, oh, oh, oh. Was it uh, Kirk Langstrom? Was it yeah, the man bat? You got it. There we go. Yep, employed by such Gotham a City Zoo. <laughs> well, that was a little too so easy. So I want to say, in, in, in certain uh, eras, he was a zoologist. In other eras, he was just like a Maybe just a scientist or a chemist right. or something, I forget. But but yeah, the man bat. Good question. That, that I had to think about that one. Great. Okay. Okay, I got another I got another one for you if it's if you if you want to just go straight in. So um, the Joker was inspired by what villain from the movie Casablanca? From Casablanca. Did you ever see that one? Oh, yeah. I've seen Casablanca. Which villain was inspired? No, no. The Joker was inspired oh, by... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I misheard yeah. you. From what villain in Casablanca? Correct. I would think it's the the, the head inspector. Um, 
I don't know. I haven't uh, seen Casablanca in forever. Um, the, he, okay. I'm, I'm not sure if you're thinking of the guy who Humphrey Bogart is friends with, but he's also part of the police, the, the, uh, that are working for the Nazis or there's a couple guys, but do you want to take a guess or do you want to just tell me? Okay. Sorry. Well, look, to be honest, it's kind of, it is kind of a misleading question because, um, he's, it's technically the Joker actually came out before the movie Casablanca, but he was based off an actor in Casablanca and he was, um, the guy who played Major Strasser, the Nazi. Oh, okay. So that that guy, uh, that actor whose name was Conrad Veidt, um, had done a movie in Germany a couple years before that called The Man Who Laughs. And if you Google The Man Who Laughs and like you know see black and white movie, there is he he is a horrifying clown with this huge grin. I mean, like like black lips and stuff. I mean, just really scary looking. Um, and Bob Kane, no, excuse me, it was Jerry Robinson. Well, it's disputed, but basically they looked at this actor and said, this guy has got a big grin and, and big teeth and everything and kind of pale and looks scary. So they, they were inspired by um, that guy's look um, and created the Joker. Interesting. In 1940? No, no, 19, 1940, yeah. Wow. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. Very good. You got me. Sorry, that's pretty that's pretty obscure there. That was pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, okay, let's see if you know this one. This is obscure. Maybe it's obscure for you. What was Bat Hound's name? Oh man. Okay, for the record, I hate that whole era, the fifties and sixties, but I do know that his name was Ace. Ace the Bat Hound. <laughs> you remembered it. Okay. <laughs> You're good. That's when that's when there was that's when every superhero had every superhero in comics had a pet. Yes, that's true. Super there were super pets, there was bat pets, there was one well, had Shazam a had a, a bunny, a Shazam bunny. Yeah. And he had the tiger too, didn't he? He had yeah, a tiger, tiger who yeah. talked and stuff. Yep. He was like he, he was like Tony the Tiger or something. Exactly. I forget what his name was, but yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I, I forget, forget the name too. <laughs> anyway. Okay, lastly. Um uh, this one's going to be – this one might be obscure. This one might be something that you enjoy a lot. So in the first episode of the Adam West Batman TV show, um, Batman goes into a nightclub, okay, and he starts dancing with some of the you know very mod 60s teens that are there, okay? Um, and he does one – he does one dance – um, uh, yeah. that, you know, it has become very iconic with the fingers over the eyes and stuff. Um, it's in a lot of pictures and uh, of the show from back in those days, just to kind of talk about the campiness of it. What was the name of the dance that Batman did? That was the Bat-Tusi. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It was so, a take on the Watusi, the Watusi. which was a si- very, yeah. very famous 60s dance, the Bat-Tusi. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, the camp in that show got, I mean... The movie's still, I watch, I crack up when he's running around with the cannonball. You know, the nuns yes, walk by. The, <laughs> he, like, goes to throw it overboard. There's a, like, a swan swimming by. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so silly. It's all right. Yeah. It was It was a fad. It was a fad in the 60s. As, as I mean, I, I loved the show as a kid, and I go back, and I'll still oh, watch it. Oh, as a show, it. as a kid, yeah. 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 But it's just so... I was like, who thought that one up? <laughs> I know, I know. The camp is crazy, but yeah. But if, for anyone listening, if you are, if you are curious, yes, Batman does dance. It is called the Batu C, and you can find it. Even you can find just that one clip on YouTube. Put in Batman dancing, and you'll find it right away. Oh I'm sure. yeah, it's, so, 
pretty crazy stuff. All right, my next one. Um, what superhero team did Batman found with Metamorpho and Black Lightning? Oh, was it the Outsiders? You got it. You're good with your Batman right. trivia. Yeah, I, I I gotta be honest. I never really liked the show. Uh, sorry, the, the 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 books that had like. So there's the Justice League, there's the Avengers, they're all the A-lister guys. Um, you got other groups like the X-Men and, uh, uh, you know, and I guess it would be the Teen Titans would be the equivalent in DC. And then you tend to have groups, like other groups that aren't together for a reason at all. They're just kind of the leftovers, you know, right. like the champions in Marvel. And then you got the Outsiders in DC. I never really liked the books about kind of the... Uh, the misfit characters that it's like, what, what is Metamorpho hanging out with Batman for, you know? Yeah. But I know it was popular in the 80s, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. Each generation has its own popular characters. It did have Alan Davis, though, drawing, which was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, good stuff. Okay, well, you have, I think, did you give me three or you gave me two? Say, say again. I'm sorry. You gave me two three questions or three, or you had one. No, more? I gave I gave you three. The, the 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 second one was really obscure with the Casablanca. Oh, that's right, that's right. And I did get Chicago. So, oh well, I gave you three. So you did you got them all right. <laughs> I got one correct. So I got to brush up. You on you were saying there's no there's no way that a, that this priest could be that obsessed with something that he knows you know he knows it that well. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know, my friend. Little did I know. <laughs> but that's why we get along, and here we are. We're doing a podcast now. Yes, it's great. That's correct. Anyway. Always fun. So I think that brings us to the end of the Endgame episode. Um, and we are now actually at the end of May, heading into June of 2019, how time flies. So we will be getting this podcast up and posted soon. And on to our next topic, hopefully, within the next few weeks. Uh, and you'll join in to hear us. So, uh, and maybe we can get some guests on in the near future. I think the only guest we had was uh, the um, gentleman from Doxicon, who who basically uh, was our last, was second to last episode? Or was our, it was actually our last recorded episode, because... Uh, yeah, we didn't get the Stanley one to record, so very interesting. All right, well, that's it. Thank you again. And Christos Anesti to Father and his congregation and all the Orthodox Christians out there. We're heading towards Pentecost. When is Pentecost? I just, I was going to say the date, now it's out of my head. Uh, June 16th. June 16th, yeah. I got so many dates. uh, Two weeks from Sunday. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I got so many dates flying in my head. That's what happens when you have a child involved in so many activities and, you know, wife's schedule, my schedule, <laughs> dates just merge. But It um, happens, man. It happens. Well, thank you again, Father, and uh, until next thank time, you. it's creative blessings, and go out and see Avengers Endgame and all these other great superhero movies, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. God bless. <laughs>